0: Welcome
1: to a podcast. I'm Mitchell Regan. And joining me after she's done, she's told me what to do with the lemons I've gotten.
0: Explain the gun with golden rolls.
1: What's that?
2: People to golden That's
1: true. Is Teresa's daughter. Hey Teresa.
2: Hey. How are you? If you'll notice we have fully restored voices. We do. Which is very great for podcasters like ourselves.
1: It really helps, honestly.
2: Boy, do we have something in store for you today.
1: (laughs) That's something is correct.
2: This is a very mixed bag in my opinion, but ultimately I am glad that I watched it and I will continue. To show up for whatever Mike Flanagan does.
1: Yeah, I think the only thing we never got through. So let's let's introduce today's topic. And
2: all right, the I fall mean they already saw it. of the House of Usher.
1: So yeah, the very
2: fall, very loosely, very loosely in name and a couple readings only.
1: Yeah, and we'll go over. We'll also go over some of the references to Poe's literature, and um, a lot of it's honestly the lifting of the the prose specifically from mm-hmm. his work to quote it directly. Um, but uh, if you haven't guessed it, and uh, if you missed our voices in a while, the podcast is a passion project from us uh, that we watch way too much television, watch way too much movies, and we always want to discuss...
2: And now it's our jobs as much as we want. Absolutely. Nobody judges you for overworking. They exactly. do judge you for watching a hell of a lot of television and movies.
1: So we... Uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, it's been about a week since the last time we've done one of these. and
2: Shout out to Ava because I know she's actually listening.
1: She's uh, been
2: going through the list. Yes. If you want a special shout out, let me know that you've listened to all of our stuff. I'll shout you from the rooftops.
1: Absolutely. And we'll try to do that at the beginning of the episode. So Absolutely. You it's can a hear nice right little away. fun
2: thing. Although
1: we, we really appreciate the true ones that stick all the way through to the end. Um.
2: If so, you want us to shout you out, also ask us questions. Don't be like, "Oh, it was so good." Ask us, "What do you use to record? What do you use?" It's like we like talking about it,
1: or more more than anything, because one of the big things that we're trying to do with our podcast is Get to that engagement up engagement with our listener base.
2: Please, please propose to us as oh. many times as you might.
1: Well, more than anything, um, like, we love the the fan base we have, but I always feel that I'd rather have, like, five super engaged fans than, like, a thousand who just, you know, press a button.
2: Yeah, we've been playing around with the boring promotion end of things, and suddenly we had, oh, wow, 570 subscribers. That's great. And almost overnight, they were gone. And I was told that I had to fork over a bunch of money if I actually wanted my subscribers to stay. And that's not what I want. I'd like the organic engagement. Right. So
1: we're learning as we we'll go. We'll be along.
2: here as long as it stays fun. Yes. Exactly. And I don't see that going away anytime soon. So that's a little update. I guess we'll jump into what we're doing here. Yeah.
1: Well, I just wanted to say, just the, you know, uh, even if your engagement is like, "Hey, I thought your opinion was wrong. This is what I think," and maybe on this specific episode, this is a perfect, perfect one we for you know to respond so to that. So
2: many people adored this. Right, and there's a lot to love, but there's a lot to kind of side-eye There's please. a lot to love.
1: Uh, well, Fall of House of Usher which is the reason why you're here. Is listening. For our opinion on it,
2: or you're on your way to work and you have nothing better to do, so might as well.
1: This is, I think, the fourth and the last television series that's produced by Mike Flanagan. I think he signed a deal with Amazon, so all of his next projects will be there. Um, he's he was known for doing a lot of independent cinema movies, like he did Hush, I think, back in 2016 with his now wife, uh, Katie Siegel, um, Camille. Yes, the Um, I think is the, her name.
2: He's got a file on you, be careful.
1: Yeah, apparently she never as well yeah. I'd like um, to see everyone. her
2: file on him.
1: Uh also he did he's done a couple of uh King King projects. Gerald's like game. uh Charles game that was great. which has a lot Katie Siegels in it, College of know and also uh Bruce Greenwood. He's the husband in it.
2: Yes, creative types will pick their favorites and use them forever. So stay close hmm. to your creatives in your life and they will provide your meal ticket.
1: yeah yeah, King loves Flanagan's adoption he's he's a real big fan adoption? of adoption adaptations <laughs> adaptation I always do that I was always...
2: Stephen King adopted him that's so cute I have,
1: uh, I have um pronunciation dyslexia. So, again, this was uh, created by Mike Flanagan. He directed some of the episodes, wrote most of them. Uh, this is eight episodes. So it's all on Netflix. It came out about two weeks ago for Spooky Season. Um, it stars a lot of people from his other works. Other stuff he's done on Netflix was...
2: Speaking of Star Wars. I said Star Wars. I know.
1: Okay, It's
2: got our buddy in it. That's Pym.
1: Oh, yeah, well, we'll get we'll get to all the, the actors, and as the legendary Mark Hamill as uh
2: and we're two degrees separation, one degree separation from him.
1: Right. Go the, on the Eskimani,
2: vote, vote, vote.
1: Um, but yeah, going into the cast again, he did four other um uh, ones, which was the first one was the house uh, on Haunted Hill. Or the Haunting of Hill House.
2: Haunting of Hill House.
1: The next one was the Bly Manor.
2: Which we've got to go back and give it a try.
1: Yeah, we didn't get to finish that one. The third one, it was Midnight Mass. Oh, this is actually the fifth one. This is the fifth one, not the fourth one. My bad. I'm sorry about that, but it's at the beginning. It's the fifth one. Midnight Mass. The fourth one was the Midnight Club.
2: Which... I do want to get back to that. I I, I think it's more young adult which might be your little bit of hesitation maybe it might be more like luke speed like maybe like spooky for kids more rl style. yes
1: that's a that's yeah that's uh, it was real goosebumps yeah so if you
2: go into it thinking this is adult horror then it's a little timid but i think if you refocus the
1: stories were kind of like goofy and well
2: they're kids dying of cancer like
1: yeah well i mean that wasn't the goofy part oh
2: that's silly (laughs) cancer
1: the the horror elements were just very much like, oh the one-eyed man who lives on the And Juno
2: clouds. is in it. Yeah. Yeah. And um a few of the others as well.
1: So uh the cast again, uh this is the fifth project that he's done. Um uh Carl is in it, Chris Greenwood, Carlo Juino plays Verna, Bruce Greenwood plays Roderick Usher. Verna
2: stole the show.
1: Mary McDonald, we'll get into performances and everything, played Madeline Usher, Henry Thomas played Frederick Usher. Rahul Coley played Leo Usher. So these are all the siblings. Uh, S- Samantha Sloan played Tamerlane Usher. Dania Miller played Victorine Lafortad. Um And then you have um, uh, his wife and also actress Katie Siegel, who played Camille Lespenay. You have Mark Hamill, who plays the lawyer for the family. Is Arthur a lawyer? You play, uh, there's Carl Lumby, who plays C. August Dupin, who is the person who um, is trying to prosecute against his family because they are, spoiler alert, morally corrupt. Um, You also have just a few other characters here. I I can't uh, go on without mentioning Ruth Cotter plays Juno, who's uh, married to Bruce Greenwood's character. Interesting. Bruce Greenwood, who plays Roderick Usher, was replaced. Uh, I mean, replaced. Who was uh, the actor originally cast, which was Franklin Jella, but he had a, an investigation of allegations of harassment on set. So all of his scenes, all the Bruce Greenwood scenes, that and I think he did a fantastic job in the movie in the in the show. That's three shots because mm-hmm. they shot most of that already.
2: I think the reshoot really works because, as far as he's the the top of the house, the patriarch, *Fall of House of Usher*, he's very separate even from his bestie sister. Sister. Yeah. He is very selfish, very motivated by his own means. So to go and do that, I'm so glad that they went ahead and took the trash out.
0: Yeah, yeah. And oh, yeah.
2: um, because there's a lot of women on this set, we want to keep them safe.
1: Well, women, um,
2: men. men, anyone,
1: uh, and and you know, like there was a great child actor, Kaylee Coran, who played Lenore. Great. Um, oh,
2: she was, she
1: was fantastic,
2: amazing. Uh,
1: it also, amazing. Uh, and we'll explain this a little bit more in depth. Takes place over like maybe two or three different timelines, and so you have the young version of um, Roderick, played by Zach Gilford. You have his boss, played by Rufus. Griswold, who plays—I mean, Michael Tru- Trucco, who plays Rufus Griswold. You also have Willa Fitzgerald, who plays the young young Madeline, Madeline steals
2: the show. She's great. She is. Uh, she gives me a very—I um, hate to say it at this point—because she's crossed the the line. She's a scab now, but very um, Emma Roberts. Oh yeah, okay. Of like American Horror Story right. and such. Yeah. The delivery and look is very similar, yeah. but this this one is good.
1: Uh I also forgot to mention I don't know if I mentioned Mary McDonald who plays the older Madeline Usher. Uh she's kind of like the matriarch mm-hmm. of the Usher family, which is she's the sister, but she's really honestly the matriarch. Roderick Usher, played by Bruce greenwood Greenwood, is the patriarch. Um, and then uh shouts to Katie Parker who plays Annabelle Lee. Yes. Uh who's uh the first wife.
2: And the worst marriage ever.
1: <laughs> the first With wife that her
2: husband and also the sister. She is in that relationship. Yeah, Maybe it's more than
1: a Um so before going on to anything else, um do you kind of wanna give uh, I wanna
2: let our listeners know that our TV's a little haunted at the moment.
1: It's just a, the the PlayStation <laughs> shut off. Um Do you want to give our listeners maybe a little bit of a rundown of what the story is about?
0: So,
2: basically, Madeline and Roderick Usher want to change the world. Yes. It's a simple thing, and boy, do they do it. They never said they wanted to change it for good. And they stand by that the entire time. There's no redemption arc here, fellas, folks, ladies and gents. They, them, and non-binary pals. No lesson is learned. Except for Pim. Pim takes his... lumps.
1: So, like, what, what happens from, like, beginning to end?
2: Okay, beginning to end. They are the supplier, basically, of the opioid epidemic and pills. Um, So, I appreciate the lens this is taking, focusing on it. It's a very bad issue that um, is killing the nation Um, worldwide, really. Painkillers are a very tricky business with And you'll know with chronic pain patients, they never want a zero. This is to erase pain. This is to get you to a zero. Pain patients just want to live. They just want to be so they can get through their next moment without excruciating, debilitating pain.
1: And the company that they're running is called Fortunato Pharmaceuticals.
2: Yes. And what's the name of the pill? Ligodome.
1: Ligodome, yep.
2: So Ligodome Perfect.
1: It's about zero pain.
2: No pain, no problems. Except for later on when she wants to get off of it. And he's like, well, you know, it's n- no side effects, not addicting, but all of this will happen. So what happens to all the kids? They'll die.
1: Okay, and we all find this out the the Um the beginning, right?
2: Yes. He's being interviewed, so by the guy oh,
1: that has been me, trying right? to take
2: they him down are, the entire August, time. Yes. Uh, Dupine, yeah. You know, I know a few names. That's I know. Find. a few names. I got maybe his siblings' names down.
1: So he, he, uh, Roderick, Roderick, <laughs> I'm going to do that a couple of times, I bet. Roderick Usher invites August Dupine Dupine. Yes. To where so again?
2: The original house. Where they grew up. Yes.
1: Where him and Mad- Madeline grew up. Where, so
2: the uh, beginning of it. Terrifying. Terrifying.
1: Because it starts out with finding out about their upbringing, right? Yes. Which covers the whole story of the um, the mother, yes. right? <laughs> and then uh, the mom dies, but then they bury her, and what happens?
2: And then she unburies herself and kills the neighbor man who is their father. Right. But
1: they don't know that. They and, don't
2: know that. And he's very mean. Yes. But he seemed like such a big he dad, said, but so, he's just he's so he owns Fortunato.
1: Yeah. At that moment. Yes. Until the board decides. And then that's when um uh Roger gets the new law. Yes. And then so this story that um because it's told. Uh, very much through the it's series of flashbacks. Pa-
2: it's in four parts.
1: It's in four parts. The first part is very, very short. Yes. The that, that just, just
2: sets it up, and then you get like and that first part something. is just
1: with the mother.
2: Yes. You get twenty something Madeline and Roderick. Right.
1: and that's so. There's about traversing three,
2: the mail room.
1: There's like about three stories that are happening at the same time. Yes, because this is all told. What the present storyline is uh Roderick telling Dupine, Dupine about what happened because uh Dupine is Dupine is desperately trying to get the confession from him because he's been after them for decades, like yes. maybe five decades of his life. And then um
2: I really th- do like that it wraps it up because the the current day is like the last moment, right? Um, which is a spoilery. No. You can figure that out. Um, also, if you're
1: listening to a podcast about something, we're we're gonna spoil it. So, the other two storylines are so that's the present day where he's talking to Dupine. Uh spooky stuff happens in the house while he's talking to him.
2: Which we don't know. Is it haunted or is it his um rare form of dementia?
1: Which is something that we find out just I think moments before he goes and talks to DuPine is that he is he has some sort of rare form of dementia. He has a limited amount of time left.
2: Yes, he's trying to get his daughter Victorine to finish up her heart mesh cover and to um move to human trials so that he can try it out because right. he feels his grip on reality fading and he's not okay with that.
1: And then so the other two storylines that go on are yes. the, the 20s, like living through Madeline and Ro- Roderick as they go through the company and what they have to do to eventually become the CEO and COO. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roderick becomes the CEO, Madeline becomes the COO, um, and then the other storyline, probably the bulk of the story that's told, is the fate of each one of the Usher children.
2: And it ties very much into that pact they made on New Year's. Right,
1: which we don't find out until the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and part part of the 20s one is this interaction with uh, both Madeline and Roderick have in their 20s with this character, Verna, who appears throughout the show um and meets each one of the children pretty much at their death yeah um she signifies like some sort of like angel of death or what what kind of i think what she's kind very of...
2: much an agent of chaos
1: like an agent she of chaos. knows
2: that something could have i think even if they went on to do great things she would have been fine with that. She just wants to see what people will do. I think she thinks that humans are, like, she just wants to see what they'll do. I, like, I, humanity is fascinating to her. Like, a she cat could playing with a like, mouse.
1: She could also be like, luck. She could be fate. Like, it's not... Well,
2: it also shows her with all of those...
1: Yeah, throughout... Yeah.
2: People. So, But these are important
1: Trump. people. Yeah. yeah. But that's... But the segment I'll call getting your tweets off.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, we're
1: just explaining pretty much what what happens.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and then uh, to bring in the Edgar Allan Poe aspect of it, each one of the episodes features some sort of disaster that occurs.
2: It's kind of like a nod. It's right. not like my brain was like, yay, this is kind of an anthology. Like that'd be great. Right. But it's more like, haha, there's a black cat here.
1: Right. There's a heart somewhere. Yeah.
2: But it's not even under the go foreword. So, like, yeah. I don't know.
1: Uh, and we'll get to our critiques of it in a minute. Um, but you know, each one of the each one of the family members are dying. You come to wonder why, and at the end, you find out that they made a pact with this Verna uh, character who symbolizes either fate or symbolizes like
2: fully knowing death or, that their next generation is going to take it.
1: All all the generations. Yeah. Because even the next one. Yes. Uh, which was probably the saddest death of the the granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pissed. Yeah, uh, So, well,
2: I do want to say that uh, Madeline and Broderick, each of the children, come to them for their first sort of loan to start to make right. themselves, and then. In that way, they're tied to them forever. So that's how Perry starts making his giant orgy party.
1: Right. And one of the things that you want to, to mention was the, the two of the kids, um, which is Frederick, his actual name, <laughs> and um the most pretentious name, uh Tamerlane. They are from the, I mean, the one. Annabelle 11, Lee. Annabelle Lee. And there's a big distinction because after the uh, events occur where the marriage breaks apart, uh, he goes
0: on a, like, fuck spree
1: and he, um. He
2: down. Fuck spree. I got it.
1: And, uh, he winds up having four more children.
2: Knowing, knowing.
1: several, right. Already knowing, knowing
2: that he is dooming them.
1: Right, that their fate is sealed.
2: That he that deal he is he couldn't wrap it up according well, to right. Madeline.
1: Well, according she to got everyone ID. everyone knows. Yes. Yeah. Well, one of the things we should mention is the deal that they make that you don't find out the last episode is that they will be rich, famous beyond all their wares. They will not have a need for anything until the day that they meet their fates, but once they meet their, like once they are going to die, all of their generations that follow also will it's the
2: fall of the House of Usher and the House of Usher will be no more.
1: Right. It's completely done. That even tracks even to the granddaughter. So, with that being said, um there are four other siblings from four other parents.
2: I like that he acts all like I welcome my offspring with open arms. Right. That's Just a, a big that. deal.
1: Because of the father mm-hmm. who didn't do that. Yeah. And treated them, you know, like they were strangers. He wants to, he welcomes them with open arms.
2: And said, hey, till you're about 30, 40, 50, you'll be okay. Right. Well, Perry was younger, probably like 20s. Early right, 90s. right. And I'd say maybe 29 to 32 for um, Leo. Right. The others seem older. But right. Those two were babies.
1: And so that's pretty much that's pretty much the plot of the of the show. Um now let's get into what did you think of it? What was your first thoughts?
2: Okay, first thoughts and final thoughts are different. Right. First thoughts Good. we were kind of like, what are we watching? Why are we watching? Why do people like this? It was a lot of unlikable people thrown in a room, and we're like, "I don't give a fuck." Well, what does
1: this remind us a lot of?
2: Um, Succession, right? You know, it's not Succession. No, the writing Um, is
1: nowhere near as clever. Yeah,
2: the post stuff is great. Um,
1: well, yeah, because like I get it. This
2: was a lofty project. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, Right, right.
1: We're not making excuses. I'm just saying. No,
2: um. So I'm thankful to say, as it went on. I felt that I liked it more and more.
1: I'd say the turning
2: point is the Black Cat episode really started to... Okay. So
1: what what, what do you think were the faults for the first... Because I think the Black Cat episodes is episode three.
2: I think it is something that a lot of shows fall prey to. Is no it was they, episode
0: four. I'm sorry.
2: They know what they're going like. They know in game. They know what they're doing. Okay. It's just it's too much exposition without anything really going on.
1: So you feel like the first three episodes were a little bit too slow
2: and yes. didn't
1: really have that much substance to it.
2: Okay. Yes, because you. Why do we care? Like also. Yes. I... Why do we care? And then, um, so there's an informant, so they put a bounty out.
1: Oh, yeah, that was the worst For plot. the
2: informant. Um, big spoilers, there's no fucking informant, which I thought was the biggest cop-out. I mean, I understand playing them off one another, but, like, easily, like, I feel like Tamerlane could have been the informant. Because she wanted to make things better. It
1: could have been Tamerlane. It
2: or even been... Freddy before he was a coke monster trying to kill his wife.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's,
2: um, or even <coughs> Leo
1: does it could be Camille?
2: no, Camille is
1: well, she was the one who was the, she... the Fox News
2: true. she had the receipts, but would right. she use them because she likes her or she power. Used them against Arthur, yeah, posthumously,
1: yeah, um, what was I gonna say? oh, so so you felt I felt that it was slow as well. I also felt like. Um, I felt kind of gimmicky because, like, each episode had a character that they would kill off, and you really didn't get close to it. It also felt like a lot of
2: yeah. It felt very procedural,
1: and, and not a lot of substance and a lot of like flash. Like, hey, like, what if we do something like um, make one of the sisters, uh, or, or I mean, one of the siblings, one of the 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 kids. What if they have like. Uh, a problem, uh, like, sexually, where they need to have...
2: Also, they um, all have sexual problems. I know. I'm I'm getting there. It was a very horny show. But
1: it was very much fixated on the women Mm -hmm. and, like, their lack of being satisfied in their sex life, where one of them had to sleep with their assistants, like, like, expectedly so. yeah. Yeah, it was, like, the person who was... Like, it was very much like, like a... Like, girl
2: whore who also was my assistant. Right. It's not, like...
1: And so, obviously, like...
2: And then they it, fell in love, which she was like, you guys just have all ash.
1: Right. But it, what I'm saying is it was kind of very much like a, like a, a, like a Me Too thing. But, like, oh, a woman is doing it. How, you know, like, yeah. how crazy is that? So, like, it was very much like, oh, what if we do something but change it a little bit? But there's no substance to it. The same thing with the, the Tamerlane who constantly hired like prostitutes to sleep with her husband. And, and then, then she it's would like they cheating. Right. Well, that's a whole, you know, yeah. the other thing, the other thing that I find,
2: um, then Perry I, and Leo were just all out.
1: Right. The other thing that I, I, I found a little bit upsetting about the first, The first um, couple of episodes is it felt like it was a show that got a lot of things from other shows that were popular and thought like, hey, why don't we just do like a recreation of it? Because other people like it. So it was very much Like, like big on succession, billions. My
2: brain keeps saying The Real Housewives of. Oh, yeah. Like, that's what it vibes.
1: And so, like, before you're even introduced to the characters or even shown what they're like...
2: And before you think that I'm somebody who wouldn't watch those shows, I love Love is Blind, Ultimatum, I'm good with all of those, um, this just out of place.
1: It it didn't feel genuine. Yeah. And it really didn't hit its stride, uh, if we even want to call it that, until I think, you're right, the the Black Cat episode. Mm -hmm. And then the episode's... Beyond that, where like it establishes a little bit more of the past um, and you kind of understand where they're coming from, uh, there's more investigation into who Verna is. Um, I think that the stories are a little bit better, like the stories that they borrow from, from mm-hmm. Poe are a little bit better and a little bit more heavy-handed and have a little bit more Poe's influence, um, like towards the end where there's definitely the cask of Amontillado. Mm-hmm. With the bricking in their boss and the wine. With,
0: with the wine
1: and the 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 jester Joker, hat. Yeah. Um so like those instead of just being like white references, they're overt in a way that they're not even paying they're not just paying homage, but they're also like really um I, using as part of the narrative.
2: Yeah. A huge part of Madeline's character is she does not want to be subservient to any man, right? And so she always tries to have that hand up over Roderick as well, and I think he resents her for it,
1: right? And we'll go we'll go into character Which by does character.
2: Show it's the last final moment,
1: and we'll go character by character in a minute. But I was just getting you. So you thought the beginning was slow, and then towards the end, how do you feel about the series as a whole?
2: As a whole, like i'd I'd give it a C, okay, which going in, I was like, this is failing like, right, <laughs> Like I think it had its moments. I do think it said a lot of good things. I know you don't like when shows say things, but I do um,
1: That's not I don't sometimes I don't like when shows say things. It's just sometimes it's a little bit too like. Oh, you're not being subtle here, like
2: nah, some people need that, so I yeah. say it will do more good that way, okay,
1: so you like it when people like
2: yeah, some people need to be beat over the head with it,
1: right, like bat signal their
2: yeah. their
1: messages um so uh yeah i i I would probably give it closer to a c minus d not that I'm trying to like prices right you, um. Because you said it's... But it's just... uh,
2: No, you just want to seem interesting. I get it.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the reason why I'm edgy, because I gave it a lower score.
2: You're like, what's your score? Looking over my paper. Oh, slightly lower.
1: Uh, Because I feel like a C is average, and it felt, in my opinion, a little bit below average.
2: No, I think some of those shots in the last few episodes will get it over that hump. I don't think you could.
1: That is. Fair. I think
2: it's at least C. It's at least passable.
1: But I think visually it was impressive. I think towards the end, the because, story
2: did start to firm up.
1: Yeah, but I would still probably give it's it. got Mark Hamill. You just give everything that Mark Hamill said just a better score. I do understand though. Um, well, I tell me what
2: I can do. It's my podcast. I can do whatever I want.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> um.
1: Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, Real, so yeah, cool. completely. Um, no, I think, I think what disappointed me overall was just how weak the writing was.
2: Yeah, I uh, the very, dialogue was weak. Yeah, the it wasn't lived in. It was very we yanked Poe, and now here it is. I do think Poe would love it because show show's so horny, and like. Saturated with booze and drugs, like he would be like, "This is great."
1: And it seems like that uh, one of their family members is into another family member at least half the episodes. <laughs> not that Poe could relate. Oh wait, he could, literally.
2: In size.
0: Well, I'm saying he could relate. Yeah. No. Okay.
2: Fourteen year old. Oof. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, that's just.
2: That's He's got great. the writing chops, but not a good dude.
1: Um, so I uh, you know, I think that the the writing was weak. I think the like you said, visually it was good. Some of the performances were good, like Carl Juino was good, Bruce Greenwood was good, uh always good to see Carlumby. Um uh I like the granddaughter, Kylie Curran. Uh and I like young Madeline. I think that she was really strong as well. I think the guy who played young Roderick
2: he was so flimsy, like a fish.
1: Yeah.
2: I kind of liked
1: the actress who played Tamerlane.
2: Yes. She seemed very non-faced by most of it. But like, kind
1: of like in a weird, she unhinged...
2: She didn't... Like, she... I still say they should have made her the informant. She's looking at her life. She hates her husband. She's like, I actually did this brand. You're a boy. And the then The gold bug brand, right? Yes. And then... For um <laughs> guilty uh, but she wanted to make something good she wanted to show that they're not just pills and although there's like really expensive products so it seems like a very mlm sort of like oh yeah movement. i think mean, the
1: rollout was very mlm
2: but she's still at least trying to improve things And while at the beginning of the show, I thought Victorine would be the most likable, she seemed very even keeled, nice with her girlfriend. And then all of a sudden, she's one of the most evil.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, What was your favorite death? I think I know. Oh, yeah, yeah, you already know. The The Henry Thomas, the
0: pendulum. The pendulum was the best one. How about you? Um, That's a good question. I'm
2: trying to go over the let's 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 remind the home audience what the deaths are so, Perry, Acid
1: Acid Rave. uh the George. the ape the ape or the chimpanzees no the chimpanzees kill yeah. esplanade the Leo with the cat
2: that was cool especially because it was Swords Hammer given by Chris Hemsworth. I like that little yeah that was kind of shiny bit um
1: uh, Tamerlane and
2: his husband, his Tamerlane was the dumbest. His his boyfriend came home like the I don't know why he went in there. If I came home and you're putting holes in every like the whole of our walls are just holes. I'm not coming in. I'm gonna go somewhere else.
1: Lenore's was the saddest.
2: It was so like. I like how reassuring about, Verna yeah. was that she's like, well, she told her you like will basically. go on. To, and she's like, it doesn't bring me any comfort to see you go. Victorine
1: stabs herself.
2: Yeah, that was... Um, um I'm, I'm going to go old Roddy Rod at the end.
1: Oh, with Madeline killing him?
2: Yes, because it was very like full circle. Mad- like
1: Not ghost, but like zombie Madeline.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's... Really? Well, I mean, I'm not. I, I'm not, I'm not no, because I it. would say I really like the Pit and the Pendulum. That was fun. Yeah. And the Paralytic Nightshade. Um, oh
1: yeah, I think that was so well done.
2: Uh, the most satisfying, definitely, was um, the Pit and the Pendulum. It was goddamn. I remember you were like, he seems like a nice guy, and I'm just like.
1: Well, he had to use the pliers. <laughs> he just had to use the pliers.
2: Could have had just like a nice OD, but nobody got a...
1: Um,
2: I'm trying to think of the other ones. That's all of them. Camille, yes. Um,
1: Leo was with the cat. Tamerlane yeah. was with the mirrors.
2: Okay. I love the lead up to that death.
1: The visuals of it was very cool. Mm-hmm. I just think it was like, stupid like but I think really... it would makes sense
2: like if you were so fucked up you're just like but I just I love Verna. Great. Oh
1: yeah yeah um so let me ask you about some of the characters. Uh I'm gonna start with uh everyone's favorite. What did you think of the casting of Mark Hill for Arthur Pym? Mark Hill? Mark Hamill are for... we
2: on the same show?
1: Mark Hamill.
2: Um, I thought it was an unusual casting, but I really enjoyed seeing him in that space. I'd be interested to see how he enjoyed it and like kind of read how that went. Um, but it was really good. Like, And I really loved that, like, I like to think that the Mark Hamill of it all influenced him to take his punishment
1: Right, instead of just tempt. Because at the end,
2: yeah, she's like,
1: she offers him um,
2: leverage, but le- she says, I don't have leverage. Well,
1: no, she offers him a get-out-of-free jail card. You could just take an extension. I just want something of yours. Mm-hmm. And he explains to him, I, my entire life, which he explains from the very beginning, they go on this, like, trek for the whole world. Um, and he just is like this survivor. Like, he, you can't do anything to him. There's no leverage anyone can have over him. He decides not to have a family. He doesn't have children because he doesn't want anyone to own him at any point in time.
2: Nothing can be taken from him. So Arthur Pym does the taking. That's it. But man. I really, really love that he just, okay, he's going to take what right. came to him.
1: So he's the only one.
2: Although uh, Berna's quote-unquote death was great, when he Dexter style got her in the neck, uh, wrapped her up,
1: yeah. and then
2: it deflates, right. it was so good.
1: But I was gonna say that he's she, he's the only like adult that is like, nope, I'm not messing with yeah. with your deals, man. Um, uh I thought like I told you, I thought he was miscast, but I think he did the best with what. He was given and
2: his character seemed the most real, and I don't mean that.
0: I I don't don't mean
2: that in like not even most likely, just like the most lived in, maybe. Maybe because he looked worn. He and Roddy, like Madeline, still want to live forever, but.
1: Yeah, I think it was a cool opportunity. It was really cool to see him in that role. I just feel like it was miscast. I feel like you need someone who's not, he's just such a warm and likable person. Mm -hmm. And it's weird to see him play someone who's so cold and calculating.
2: Like, I'm wondering, like, did he enjoy that? Because it's such a stretch. Right. Like, he was Luke.
1: Right, right. But
2: now he's gone to the dark side. Like he's right. working directly for the dark but
1: side, but it's not even like he's like Darth Vader. He's like Darth Vader's secretary assistant, like who's just so good at like knowing how to upkeep the Death Star so that they can keep blowing up planets.
2: No, they're he gets lo- his hands dirty a lot.
1: Well, I mean, they're blowing up planets. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But um, I just it, it's. I thought it was a weird. Part. I think that they try to do it because oh, you wouldn't be used to this. Uh, what did you think of uh, Carl Lumby as uh, DuPine? He Dupine? was good. Yeah. I love his voice. That helps him. And uh, uh, Roderick Bruce Greenwood have just great voices. Mm-hmm. So it's not bad if you ever hear them telling a story. And you're just mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of... You know we haven't really talked about. So one of the big plot points is yes, there is the whole acid, uh, bath that is given to, um,
2: Perry at all.
1: Yeah, Perry and his uh, orgy party guests, which includes
2: Frederick's, Frederick's wife, Lenore's mother,
1: who doesn't die, but obviously that is she
2: wished she did.
1: Has all the, you know, skin melted off of her. Um, so, and well, obviously, like, Frederick winds up wanting to kill her, but... Oh, no,
2: very much worse. He does not want to kill her. He wants to punish her in the most brutal way and then go back to right. a very fucked up marriage.
1: So, um, I thought she was pretty good, uh, even though, unfortunately, a lot of her acting was just the eyes and the mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of Ruth Cod as Juno? Loved her. Yeah.
2: Loved her story. She's a very interesting actress. And she has I a liked... very
1: interesting physical features. Mm-hmm. Um but what were we gonna say her story?
2: Yes, and I liked how hurt she was that like he married her because she's the perfect receptacle of Ligodome. Right. And she was like what? Like a thought you loved me right he's like oh darling i do but like not in that way he he just wanted to possess her and use her as an accolade
1: well it was the whole conversation they have i think at the last episode of the second last episode about frankenstein and his monster mm-hmm. and how he viewed her as his greatest creation mm-hmm. and him frankenstein and she goes "No, no 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 you're the monster because of what you've done to this world yeah um, and then
2: he goes and lies to Lenore about her. Yes. So Lenore leaves this world thinking Juno sucks.
1: Right. Although I, I really felt like she, she knew all the whole time. Like that there's some you know, like that mm-hmm. that you can't really. Be like calls to
2: like, they're nice. Yeah. Right.
1: Um, so what did you think of, what do you think of Lenore's character?
2: Um, I loved her. I loved how she was basically like, go fuck yourself to, like, all the powerful men that could end her instantly. Especially
1: her father, because she's her mother's life.
2: Her father, yes, but also Arthur Pym. I don't think Arthur Pym has been told no a day in his life.
1: Right. Oh, yeah, when she did not change her story. to the... She's like,
2: no, I will not be doing that.
1: Yeah.
2: Like, tell me if you gotta, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that.
1: Um, we also have um I coined Annabelle as just a wet blanket character. <laughs> but uh what did you what did you think of her? Did you have any thoughts or feelings? She
2: reminds me a lot of tamberlane so I thought the casting was really great between there because her and Freddie are the children of her, correct?
0: Yes. So I thought that
2: was good. Um
0: and I like that you
2: kind of get the, you're like, wow, those warm, warm, um, that warm woman, how could she have ever created such a thing? And that he poisons the children against her with his money and his power.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's true. Huh. What? No, I'm just curious as to...
1: I got something. Anyway, sorry, I was checking something else out. Um,
2: welcome to a podcast. We're podcasting, so today's um on the fall of the House of Usher. Yeah. This is yeah. Teresa and Mitchell.
0: Thank you. <laughs> um,
1: no, I, 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 you like the parallels between Annabelle Lee and Tamerlane. That's mm-hmm. what you were just saying. Um, I I wish Annabelle Lee had a bigger character than just like she seems, which is something that most people do in things we like this. We only
2: saw her in the kitchen,
1: right? Yeah, I mean that pretty much perfectly explains it. She was in the kitchen. An she an was always with. She was always with a child.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We never saw her outside of it. And every single time that she appears, and Madeline does Madeline all the time is just like dumps on her, like. It's just like, oh, you're you're just soft and sweet. Wow, I didn't know people like you exist. Meanwhile, you gotta be cold if you wanna make it successful. Like yeah. I don't know. What did you think about the young counterparts to the older? Like the young Roderick to the older I mean, yeah, Roderick and then the young Madeline to the older
2: I think they worked because Roderick is very He, with the exception of, like, driving over barefoot, he never did any of his own real dirty work. He's very detached, and Madeline is very calculating. Kind of pulling the strings. Calculating. Right. So she always took charge, so he, it was to his benefit to kind of be meek.
1: I feel like, yes, yes. And, and I
2: think we're seeing towards the end him trying to say, no, I am not meek. That is not me. But he is very, he's a meek, meek man.
1: Meek, meek man. Um, and I think that it's not that certain' doesn't want to do his own dirty work, but he, like, Madeline is willing to go to a place that he isn't, but he's a willing patsy. He's a willing, like, he's a patsy for his boss. He's willing to be the one to. He's like, oh yeah, sure. Like if it gives me a leg up in the world, he's willing to do that for his sister. Um, yeah, and I think it. I think it represents well in both. And
2: when he first betrays, was the investigation saying? Those oh are my yeah, signatures. Dupine.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's a big thing, and Madeline's the one that spurns that on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. Yeah, so what did you think of the other siblings? Let's go each one. Victorine.
2: Oh, I had so much hope for Victorine.
1: Interesting. But
2: she is the worst. Yeah. From her trying to be like, oh, yes, you're the perfect candidate. Um, Yes, don't worry, the doctor will do it right away. Right. Um." Just the deception. Trying to manipulate her girlfriend to do it. But the fact that she's doing it all for daddy's attention. That seems a little weird to me. Like, I get that all of these kids. Like, power was not given to them until daddy gave it to them. But, it seems so, like, very submissive and, like. Going to the ends of the earth for somebody who barely paid her any mind. Who, like, uh, even said that she, like, that he's he pit the siblings against one another. Like, just imagine if they work together. I think he knows that they he would be no match for them together,
1: right? Like, uh, together they can conquer all divided, they fall.
2: And like she has a great girlfriend slash wife. I don't know their marital situation.
1: Um yeah, even so in their relationship that's great. She's manipulating her the whole time to do yes. whatever she could to appeal to Roderick. Um Yeah, I I see that. What so about
2: she is purely evil, like there's no redemption arc for her.
1: And I think one of the things about Victorine's character that
2: I really, think she's the most like Roderick.
1: Hmm. But as I say, I think the thing about Victorine's character that kind of really is an embodiment of all of the characters is for the most part, a lot of these siblings didn't seem like actual characters, they seemed like actual character types yeah. or characterizations. So like you didn't really understand any of the real motivations or wants or desires of the characters. You're just like, oh, uh overly ambitious medical person who wants daddy's attention. Um a uh, druggy celebrity who is also a man whore. Um You know, a woman who's unsatisfied in her personal life, so puts it all in her professional life. But it's not like actual characters.
2: I think that if we had gotten to spend more time with Perry, it would have gone there. Because he really... Was was that Perry
1: I was describing, or was that Leo?
2: Perry wants...
1: I'm just saying it. Perry wants what? Sorry.
2: Out from under their thumb. Like, they weren't going to agree with what he did, so he wanted to do... It on his own. Right. Um, and I firmly believe that Pim or somebody else knew and set that up.
1: The acid thing? Yes.
2: I don't think so. I mean, in the end they were still responsible for it, but I feel like I feel like that oversight, they would have had that building watched. They would have
1: Well, Frederick was supposed to get rid of it.
2: I know, but he's very inept, so yeah. I think they would have watched and maybe they didn't do it, but they didn't stop it either.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something, well, that Roderick mentions very early on that he's the one who is responsible for all these deaths because he sentenced them to death years ago. Mm-hmm. Years ago. Um, like, when they were born, he sentenced them to death. Yeah. Um, but I was—I was just saying that, and before I interrupted you, I apologize. That's fine. Um, that I could have been describing Leo or Perry, because yeah, Perry. We're—I mean—we're introduced to Leo by him having oral sex with someone who's not his boyfriend,
2: and then like shoving them out the door.
1: And shoving them out the door—that's how we're introduced to him. And then that uh, Perry is introduced by. You know, constantly having orgies and and doing drugs, and Leo is doing drugs and supplying the drugs. So I'm just saying, it's not like it it seemed very much like. Oh, what's a druggy character type? Let's do that instead of like actually sitting down and designing the characters. I feel like the only people who really had full characters were Madeline, Roderick, and possibly also Dupine.
2: What about Victorine?
1: No, I I think that's a that's a character type, a super ambitious woman trying to manipulate in her way so that she get what she wants. Like,
2: but it's you, not what she wants, or her dad wants.
1: We what well, she wants her his approval. But again, that's not like a character. That's a character type. Um. So moving on to the last couple of ones, what do you think of Tamerlane?
2: That's a stupidest name I've ever heard.
1: Is it pretty?
2: Tamarind. What are all the names we came up with? Bunch. do You know any of them?
1: No. Probably just versions of tamar like tamarino, tambourine tamarine was one,
2: yeah. Um Tammy Mammy. Yep. Um Yeah, um fucking stupid name. Um
1: So what about the character? Um Did you like the like the because i feel like episode by episode each one of the children because there's there's fall of the house of usher because the house of usher is i mean falls apart at the end it really
0: falls
1: uh but it's also fall of the house of usher because every single one of the characters fall to their fate which is their death yeah. but also it is a study into their own like psychosis and each one dies because they get gradually more insane. And each one gets more insane than the previous ones, in my opinion. Yeah.
2: I guess like the only good thing I can really say about those characters is death was like a reprieve. None of yes. them were happy.
1: Yes. Especially when they get to the state just before their mm-hmm. death.
2: But they thought they, they had everything. Why aren't they happy?
1: Well, I was going to say, I liked with Tamerlane the whole... Her being so sleep-deprived that she's
2: not knowing what's imagining happening.
1: there these conversations that are not happening.
2: Like when she was to coffee, there's no coffee. She made right. the kettle, there's no kettle.
1: Or the, the various times that she's talked to her estranged husband. By I love, time.
2: oh yeah, when she was talking, the keys just on the counter. Right. Like, or when
1: she's giving the presentation.
2: And then the video starts playing and then she just. She it. Juno
1: but like... you know, the, the video was not the video she saw, mm-hmm. it was like it was just regular, but she was imagining it. Yeah, poor Juno, <laughs> whack. Um, so I did like that, that was kind she of a probably cool didn't idea. feel
2: it because she's on so much There
1: you go. Um, but she gets off it by the end. That's one of the
2: yes, good job. So, Juno and um, Lenora's mother. What's her name?
0: Oh, um... Morella.
2: Morella.
1: Yeah, they're the only ones who really survive it.
2: They um, survive it, and they enact so much good change.
1: Yeah, they survive and thrive.
2: Millions. Honestly. Yeah. Both of them affect millions.
1: In positive ways. Yes. Uh, what did you think of Leo? Leo
2: was charming. He's the... Rapscallion. Yeah. Um, He can handle his drugs. He's, you know, good with men and women. Um,
0: He was almost like the... He
2: also, like, he was the most moral before he became totally fucked. Like, and I don't think that sex and drugs equate to morality, so we can talk at length about that. But, Uh um... Yes, he likes to escape because his family's fucking terrible. He likes to have fun. He likes to feel good. Who among us don't? Um, But he... Once you knew he was losing it, like, he would never call a cat a cunt. Like, he's... That's that's what they said.
0: I know.
1: You don't hear that every day. Okay. Um... I like the actor who plays him Rahul Kohli um because like he was in
0: the I know he was in um
1: what was the vampire one midnight mass Mass. as the cop
2: oh yeah and the uh, town with was the racist
1: right uh he was in *Blind Manor as like the manservant butler guy um I just like, like, I think he's a cool actor. I like what anything he does. Um, I think it was interesting, because I feel like he was almost like a Gen, Gen... um, Not Gen Z. He was, like, almost like a millennial representation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, some of the other characters are millennials, too. But I felt like he was really... Like, obviously, Perry is your Gen Z. 100%. Like, the yeah. way he is. And then Leo's kind of, like, Hey, I'm kind of like your, like the way that their relationship, and a lot of them had relationships through Leo. Like Tamerlane confided in Leo. Perry went to Leo for drugs.
2: Also. Uh, So did
1: Frederick. So like, he was almost like their most approachable one. Yeah. And it's almost like as soon as he, like, as soon as his death occurred.
2: And he actually was grieving his sister's passing. And his brother's passing.
1: Right. And that was one of the thing, my biggest criticisms, which I'll get to at the end, my biggest criticism about it. Actually, I'll probably say it here, is I wish that there was less siblings so there were more time for grieving or more time to make sense. Or who gets
2: cut? Who gets cut?
1: Oh, uh, for sure, I'd probably cut uh, Victorine, Perry, probably maybe Leo. Because uh, I think that the whole plot line where Roderick slept around with as many people as possible to get four new children that didn't come forward until... I think that that was kind of... I don't know what the point of that was. Um, I think
2: it's really to show just the lack of care and empathy that he has, that he would make more just for the fuck of it.
1: But I feel like that there was so much already to show that, that there was almost no... Points. um Yeah, I. That's through all of our characters, and we go back to Roderick and Madeline. Which I don't know if you have anything more to say or Verna. I think that the Carla know performance was amazing. I thought that I loved all of her different. I mean, it's so like it's it's still the, the the death of Henry Thomas, the Frederick. Oh, we forgot about Frederick, Freddie, Frodric. What'd you think of Froderick? I hated him.
2: I died. I hated him from the get. Though
1: I did not. I thought he was one of the the one of the more redeeming ones because of how good his daughter was, and it seemed like he wasn't so much of a jerk about what his wife. But yeah, uh-huh. he was. He was horrible.
2: But oftentimes, that's how uh, people are. Yeah, the nicest seeming people yeah. are the most. He
1: was definitely hashtag horrible. nice guy.
2: Yeah, nice guy TM. Just take my my uh, wife's teethies and
1: yeah. Um, I think it was kind of cool with Verna. Sorry, uh, not to cut you off. It was you want to say anything else about the, the teethies?
2: I liked when Verna was the cat and had her eyes out.
1: Oh yeah, that was creepy.
2: For a moment I thought maybe there was a cat. Um I wasn't sure if like he replaced the cat and then antics, but it was like just straight up that's a fake cat. You're fucking nuts, man. And like I was like when they showed the clean bathtub, I was like, Okay,
0: all right. Oh yeah, that was like I thought,
2: but like I was like, Maybe not. Um so I have pet rats, we do. And I could do without dead rats.
1: Yeah, I know that's a sensitive thing for you to know.
2: bring the people on, but no, no dead rats.
1: Um, I like, one of the things I do like is that she knew what would have been their um, fate. If they didn't make that pact. Like he
2: would have been a dentist.
1: Right. And a really good good one. one. Yeah. But he would have known what their... She knew what their fates were. And it really didn't come about until later. It was really cool. Like those sliding doors. Those that, that... Like reflecting back at them. Like, oh, you know, like it's too bad. And a lot of it was like... Um again, the father sealed their fate so they couldn't do anything, but also how they chose to live their last moments. Like, the same thing that with, um, what's her name? Les, uh, Camille, where she's like, oh, I could have just, you know, done it when you were asleep. You don't have to be here.
0: Yeah.
1: But because she just couldn't help herself. And, and that, that was, was something. Them. That was all of them. They could not help themselves.
2: If, if they thought something else would give them the leg up. That's where any of them, they would take it. Right. And that's very much that Roderick influence. Right. Nurture versus nature. It was there. Right. Lenore doesn't have that. No. I was hoping there would be a loophole. Like, geez. Yeah, I know. Second. That
1: was one of the decisions I did like because they didn't, it would have been so easy to be like, Oh, well it's not the same and it's, you know, but I like that they like went through and, yeah. A character that actually was neutrally good and likable was also a result of this decision that was made years ago that was out of her own thing. I want to just do one segment real quick in which um, just some of the references that I've gathered up from um, mostly IMDB, but also just the internet. So like half-assed internet research here about some of the Poe references. Uh, so, obviously, one of the the biggest one is that Verna is an anagram for the Raven. Um,
2: no, just Raven.
1: Yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah. For the, the Raven character, Um, obviously, the...
2: Let's talk about that Nevermore text at the end.
1: Oh, yeah, that is so creepy with the which AI. Which is
2: the proxy of Lorraine, so she's technically... Lenore. Lenore, yeah. Yeah. Which was also, them. it's
1: fine. <laughs> <laughs> Raven and Lorraine. L- Laura, Lenore.
2: Okay, so, yeah. It's just, it's, it's yeah, rhyming. Yeah.
1: So obviously Lenore is from also the same poem. Uh, there's also poems.
2: Like, Annabelle listen, Lee. I've got my big old uh, Poe anthology down there. I'll read one out if we gotta.
1: <laughs> uh, there's also a poem for Tamerlane. I
2: love the Annabelle Lee, like, poem. Yeah, I know. Like, just, yeah,
1: that's a good one. It's beautiful. One of
2: my favorites. Yes.
1: Yeah. Like the lost love, right? And the mirror and everything.
2: And just the cadence of it is it's gorgeous. Very...
1: Yeah. Um, Perry is short for Prospero, who is the main character in the Mask of the Red Death. Uh, Fortunato Pharmaceuticals is reference to Fortunato, who was a character in the Casco Montana. Frederick is the protagonist of a short story called I'm gonna try this, to say this as much as well as I can Metz Metzengerstein, which is a satire of Gothic Tales. August Dupine and Madame Lespinel are main characters for the murder murders in the Rue Morgue. Arthur Pym is a reference to the only Actual full-length novel that Edgar Allan Poe wrote called The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket, in which the character travels the oceans and lives through shipwreck, mutiny, and cannibals, which is referenced to mm-hmm. Arthur Pym's character in the show. Um there's also recurring characters like John Rufus Griswold, William Longfellow, and John Neal. Which are named for three of Poe's fiercest critics. And they are all played by people who are enemies of the Usher family. Obviously the Black Cat. Black Cat is also in there.
2: Telltale Heart. The Witch fall of the House of
1: Usher. The Telltale Heart. Um But yeah, that's and then there are several times where Specifically, something is read from one of his works. Like, for example, uh, when they read uh, the poem of the Raven, where he does the whole uh, Once Upon a Midnight Dreary. Also, um, there's one other one. Oh, the Gold Bug is a short story about pirate golds. Uh, through a hidden message on a scrap of paper. And then uh, finally, one of the other things too is the bar that they go to to meet uh, Verna has a whole bunch of like.
2: Also, time and space.
1: Well, yeah, the but it has a whole bunch of like, there's a raven at the bar. When they go to revisit, there's a raven that's constantly perched above it. There's also a black hat in the bar, but there's also just like certain...
2: Yeah, the raven is Verna's calling card.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, I think...
1: Oh, one of the other things that um, the uh, sermon that's given in the beginning of The first episode about the children who died uh, is an excerpt from one of Poe's short stories called The Imp of the Perverse. Those are all the ones that I found just doing some internet research real quick.
2: Now, if you're interested in reading Poe, guess what? Free everywhere. You can buy things all nice and pretty. Which is great. But the time has passed. And you may read any of his works. Right. Go to Amazon, go to Barnes and Noble, anything online. You can read it to your heart's content.
1: Until that heart is beating from the floorboards. Yes.
2: Or like in the next room, because of course. She didn't have floorboards, I guess. That may be my biggest critique of all.
0: How do you not have floorboards?
2: Yeah.
1: Um are you where do you rank this? with the-
2: so I can't accurately say for Bly I've got to give it the old full college try um gotta watch all of it okay. um Haunting Hill House spectacular yeah. no notes yeah um we will go through that and give us a very nice warm uh review yeah basically
1: yeah
2: um highlight moments um Midnight Mass was great until the end but still, yeah. overall, it was still really, really good. Agreed. Um, have not finished Midnight Club, um, so it would be, um, Haunting Hill House at the very tippy top, and then maybe like, ten levels under. Midnight Mass, because those are the two we've actually finished. Yeah. And then when I've, when we've gone back, we can. Um, I've heard Bly is really good, and I think now. That we've seen, *The um, innocence and some of the other older movies that it's pulled from. Right. That we'll find a lot more to see in it. Possibly. Um,
1: I could confidently say that this would rank third.
2: Oh yes, I haven't gotten to this yet. Um, I, I still have a lot of hope for *The Nightclub*. I know it's a younger excuse younger, but I just I liked it. Um, and then Bly, like, I've heard good things as well. So, all in all, I wouldn't be shocked for this to end up at number five, but it's not failing like we thought it would be at the beginning.
1: Right, it definitely picked up. It was slow at the beginning. Um, I definitely say, like, if you do have a good eight yeah. hours to kill, uh, especially during spooky season, I would recommend it. Um,
2: It's not a hard watch. It's, it's not gory. it goes by
1: pretty quickly.
2: Don't watch it with your family.
1: No. Just
2: don't do that. The
1: language is pretty strong, as evidenced by specific quotes from the oh. uh <laughs> show that was requoted on the podcast. But um and it is very gory. Like it is
2: It's just very sexual and like weird sexual, not like normal sexual.
0: Okay, shame. <laughs> Um, we'll see
1: but I'd confidently put it third Yeah, I like obviously same as you, That's to be the same rankings Haunting of Hill House I think it was a masterpiece now is
2: Midnight Mass based on anything or is it his own creation? I don't
0: have to look it up
2: oh we'll find that out next time on a podcast but not really next time because we've got some other stuff to do tell them what we've got in store for them
1: um Well, I know we're planning on this weekend releasing a podcast that deals with the third trope and fourth trope, which will be on creature features and supernatural horror. And so we'll break down some of our favorite ones from those categories.
2: Or have a breakdown watching them either way. Yeah. Some of them are pretty intense. Um. Before you even get there, I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil a couple tropes. Blood and green goo. That has been a steadfast companion of these films. Yeah, true. So yeah. A lot of blood. Um. So if you like The Exorcist, The Descent. What else have we covered? Evil Dead. Evil Dead. Um, the fly, the thing. I think that's all we've watched now. We've got some, some work to do ahead of us. Work, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'd love to have you there and then join us for our first annual horror movie draft.
1: it be exciting. We're gonna try to get a couple of uh guests on the podcast.
2: Yeah, Mitchell's gonna use his sports ball knowledge to facilitate this draft and yeah it's gonna be mighty fun and in the next say day hours week after that no longer than that I'll have all of our graphics up for you so you could save it next Halloween when you're looking for stuff to watch you got we'll, a little list there. We'll
1: build up a really good
2: list. We will we will have covered 34 movies not including whatever comes from the draft.
0: Right.
2: And I'd yeah. say that's formidable for the month of October. That's more it's than at least one, one movie a day. A day yeah. it's
0: pretty
2: we impressive. We got math. Yeah,
0: we did. <laughs> podcast math.
2: Is it like girl math? No. it like a, girl dinner? No. Oh,
0: it's podcast math.
2: Okay. Podcast math.
1: Um so that's all of my thoughts on house I mean house of what are we talking about here the fall of the house of Usher and you guys know what to expect in the I'd say coming week yeah house you're going to get
2: a bunch of rapid fire podcasts from us um, um and
1: then probably going in November this has
2: got us so
1: Probably in November we'll start with some of the
2: Obviously turkey based films
1: We're going to start with some of the TV that we might have missed Uh, So we're looking at you um, The end of Reservation Dogs
2: And we will have a special guest on for that episode Carmelo Voyez
1: And we're looking at some of the stuff that you know, Disney and so Star Wars has been doing
2: Loki, Sexy Miss Minutes.
1: Keeping up with that. So just um
2: Don't kick shame me.
1: I'm not kick shaming.
2: Disney, a multi-billion dollar corporation, put sexy Miss Minutes up there for a reason. Yeah,
0: she really That wanted... is a
2: new interactive uh, ride at Disney. But you have to go in the back somewhere. All I want is a bodice. <laughs> I want to be your girl.
1: Uh, crazy <laughs> episode, man! Ugh. Ten out of ten. Um.
2: Also, our guy is in it.
1: So, if you want to, okay,
2: shout him out. Or Boris.
1: Oh
0: yeah,
1: Obi. Euphane is awesome. He's he probably the best be part of the season.
2: Everything. Yeah,
1: he's so good. He's so good at doing like small exposition. Anyway. Um,
2: This has been fun. We were not sure.
1: The best way to follow all of this stuff, obviously, would be to follow us on Facebook. Facebook.
2: Teresa Stoddard, author, is where I'm going to go ahead and post all the podcast stuff. Um, You can also catch us on TikTok. I will put all of the information in the description of the episode because... I did recently change the name of the TikTok, and I want to see if that's reflected. So, you know what to do. Like, share, subscribe, follow. Also, keep checking Apple Podcasts. I had somebody try to submit it again, and hopefully we'll get there because I know that'll be a huge boost. And that'll
1: help us so so much. Yes,
2: it's free. It's fun.
1: And so, uh, with all that, I did want to thank... Uh, the listeners again for sticking with us, even though we've been uh, not as consistent with the release of the schedule because of just going through um, been sick almost all month. Yeah. So we appreciate those who are still following along. Hopefully it gives us a chance, gives you guys a chance to check out our back catalog, uh, especially since uh, some of our episodes have been going a little bit longer. Um. And uh, that's all for me. So thank you. I hope you guys have a good week until next time. Teresa.
2: Thanks so much. Stay spooky and I'll see you guys next Tuesday.
0: Or thereabouts.